it was five different meetings that we ended up having to attend just for this one property. The lady was questioning me super, super hard, but I ended up closing her. At the end of that meeting, they're like, we're actually investors from Dubai. We have properties all around North America, all around Dubai. They have over 500 properties in their portfolio. We just landed a gold mine. We're here to empower high income earners to gain back control of your time through financial independence and stop trading your time for money and start letting your money work harder for you. And hey, if you want to meet other high income earners on their FIRE journey, join our High Income Earners FIRE Facebook group. Every month we'll have guest speakers and we'll share about what our team is currently working on and allow you to share what you are working on with other high income earners. High Income Earners FIRE podcast is brought to you today by Bonavest Capital, where we partner with investors to build up passive income through real estate syndications and start living a lifestyle by design. As well as Say Yes Stock Option Investing, where we show high income earners how to generate consistent cash flow with your phone and accelerate your journey to financial freedom. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to High Income Earners Fire Podcast. I am your co-host, Cody Ye. Aline Prack is not here today, but we have two brothers. They're related. I'm not sure if they're real brothers, but they're related, close proximity of family members. And what's more important about them is they, I'm sure one of them is a high school dropper. I'm not sure about the other one. But what's more important is they both achieve a lot at a very young age through short-term rental business. And this is a very popular buzzword. And we're going to debunk a lot of myth today and see how they reach their success, any of the failure they kind of gone through it and how they overcome it. Without further ado, let us welcome Malcolm and Quinton. Hello, everybody. Uh, so Quentin is the college dropout, and I'm the high school dropout. And we aren't brothers, but we technically are. <laughs> We're close enough. So that was Quentin told me about his story. So you're the high school dropout. Quentin is a college dropout. So yeah. before we start this podcast, Malcolm, you know, Quentin said Malcolm is going to take the lead. So I'm going to let Malcolm. I'm going to fire all the question at you is how do you go from a high school dropout to a short-term rental seven-figure short-term rental business all right do you mind if i take the spotlight for a few minutes here go for it man all yours all right. brother i appreciate that so how did i get to that point in my life i really feel like it starts from the very beginning growing up with my parents and here i'm gonna i'm trying to teach the viewers a little lesson something that i've been going through and mm -hmm. This story that I want to tell you guys is called chaotic materialism. All right. So growing up, my family that I had, you know, my dad always played it very safe, but I was in a loving family, you know, and they always supported me. They put a roof over my head, but we weren't rich. We weren't successful. I wasn't rich money wise, but I had love. I had family. And something that happened to me growing up was I was picked on a lot. I was bullied a lot by peers by people around me telling me that, you know, I couldn't achieve my dreams, telling me the things that I wanted to do were not possible. And I was always a curious child. So growing up, my family, they were a great support system, but being bullied all the time about my life situation in school by my peers, at least it was like, it was 50% of them bullying me and it was 50% in my head. Okay, because then you start to beat yourself up. So I became this really insecure child. And I still am this insecure guy. And I'll tell you, I'm an insecure guy with money now. I'll get to that point. So 
I've been trying to redevelop myself these past few weeks, build myself up again. I've been doing so much reflection. And I know this is maybe not what you expected, Cody, but it's just the real version of me. And growing up, you know, I didn't have that wealth. I didn't have the things that my friends had. I didn't have the nice cars, the nice houses. So that's what I wanted. I wanted everything that I didn't have. And so I chased that. Going through school, I didn't listen to any of my teachers. I didn't listen to my parents. I kind of detached myself from them and started resenting my parents for not giving me the things that the other kids had. Then I started resenting all authority. Then I started being chaotic. So chaotic materialism, chasing materialism, doing things, breaking rules, doing things outside of the norm, always, always trying to take things to the next level. So I would always break rules, go against what I was told I was supposed to do and taking it to the extreme. You know, when that came to running businesses in high school, I did things that were illegal, very illegal. And then I took it to the extreme because I wanted to be that flex. I wanted to have the girls. I wanted to have the confidence. I wanted to be that man. I wanted to be that man that everybody came to and said, oh, look at him. He's a spotlight. He's the center. He has it all. I want to be him. And I never got that kind of attention. I was always pushed away and I was always neglected, but I don't blame them. I blame myself. There was a lot of character development that I didn't do. And I eventually became obsessed with money, obsessed with chasing wealth. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Okay. I'm a good person. I'd love to believe I have a very good heart. And with the wealth that I built, I give a lot of it away. I really genuinely do. But the lesson here is, you know, I got caught up in that chaotic wealth and I wanted to chase that materialism forever, 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 forever. Things in my life that have happened over these past few years, you know, I grew up really fast. I did drop out of school because I wanted to do things that were exactly very crazy, right? I dropped out of school. I got put on the street. My parents and me, we got in a, a fight. It was mostly because I wasn't happy with my situation, right? And I took it out on them. I took it out on my father for playing safe his whole life. And that has to be a factor of why I am the way I am today or how it worked out in my mind is my father was always so safe growing up, you know, safe living, have the savings, you know, safe job, just live it slow, relaxed. Don't try to do anything crazy. Always telling me to stay inside the house. Don't do this. It's not safe. Don't do this. It's stupid. So I wanted to break out of the matrix in a sense. I wanted to break out of every single box that I was put into, which caused me to have a rebellious nature. And so I did exactly that. I dropped out of school, got kicked out of my house. I was homeless. I slept in hotels. I got, you know, that's not a business talk, but I door knocked. And I know you guys want this to be a business talk, but I'm going to tell you my true story here. Mm-hmm. And I door knocked. I tried to network with other business people. Eventually, one person said yes to me. Here's a home. Renovate it. Put it on Airbnb. Those are the instructions. If you can't pay me rent in six months, I take the place back fully renovated by you. First of all, I didn't have renovation experience. I figured it out. We got the furniture for free. We went on Facebook Marketplace. Good place. We went through the streets, found free furniture, and we set this whole place up. Year after that, Quentin joined on board. He dropped out of college, was going through the exact same thing. You know, his family... And he'll tell you his story, actually. So I'll save that for later. We have 30 properties now, and I'm making money. But as you're making money, what people don't really talk about, and 
in the entrepreneurship world, what people don't really talk about right now is the mental toll it takes on your day-to-day -day, like mentality. I don't know if this is for everybody because some people go into things with a very clear mind and they're able to do that beforehand. Me, not so much. Me, I've taken so many failures, so many losses and huge ones that took huge tolls on my mentality. I had to struggle. I had to, and it builds my character, right? That's what people will say. I had to struggle. I had to stay up nights that I didn't want to stay up, hustle when I didn't want to hustle, do things that I did not want to do that didn't make me feel good so that I could save my business over and over and over again to get to where I am today. So grinding periodically, nonstop for materialism, for wealth. Okay, why? Because I wanted to impress the people around me. Why? Because I wanted freedom. Everybody in the entrepreneurship world, they chase that freedom. Okay. Cody, I don't know if you wanted to say something. It looks like you want to say something maybe. No, no. Just okay. give the audience a little bit of context. How old are you and Quentin? I'm 22 years old. Quentin? 22? 22 We're three well. days apart. <laughs> okay. So 23. So just so our audience know is that what most people at 22 or 23 years old are just probably freshly graduated from university or college yep. and try to figure out life. And meanwhile, you guys drop out of high school and college and already try to figure it out, made it, lost it, made it, lost it emotionally, physically, financially. So you guys are way ahead instead of in terms of where you guys are. So where you guys are thinking is probably 10 years ahead of people who are around your age. Right? Would yeah. that be a good statement? Yeah. And so here's I'm not the thing, that I've, the thing that I've noticed as well is that because people that are our age, they're still figuring things out. They're just getting out of school or they are in school and they're still in their party phase. And for me personally, I don't, I don't know if this is for everybody else or anybody else, but for me personally, it is very mentally tolling because seeing all my friends enjoying their lives and then understanding that we need that delayed gratification of like, hey, this, these are things we can do in like five, 10 years, but right now we got to focus on what we need to do so we can have this for the rest of our lives rather than having a spurt of all this enjoyment for the next 10 years. And then from there dreading our entire lives, right? So it is mentally tolling, but at the same time, we understand exactly why we're doing everything we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because of the experience, you guys are more mature than the people around your age. And I, I'm not going to take, I will come back to your story, Malcolm, but I want to touch base on when you say you lost it, got it back, lost it, get it back. Is it because of the chaotic materialism that you guys went out and thought you guys made it and start making foolish decision, maybe expand too fast or buy things that you don't really need? Is that what you guys were mentioning or what? A little bit of all. <laughs> uh, it's actually going to be more so of making bad partnership deals happen, not, you know, double checking our crosses and T's and all that stuff and signing really bad deals. Eventually, you know, that led us down a path where we were chasing to recoup our losses rather instead focusing on our priorities and our businesses, which mm -hmm. then the whole thing crashes down, you know. The second reason I could tell you is it's not having a good foundation, not physically also, but mentally. Mm -hmm. Me, Quentin, like I said, I don't believe my opinion is a little bit different. I don't believe that, you know, and we're all entitled to our own opinions that everybody is 
like I'm more mature than everyone or I'm older and more developed. I just feel like I was just trying to figure out my shit. And throughout figuring out myself and trying to find myself, this is what happened to me and this is my journey. It doesn't mean that my journey is better than anyone else's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think just to add on to that, we had a lot of ego growing up as well. So we always thought that we were better than everybody else. And like, for example, my brother Vince, I think you guys chatted a little bit as well. He told me you guys had a little brief call. But basically, Vince, his whole crew, everybody, all his mentors, his mentors, their mentors, they're all telling us, oh, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And we didn't want to listen to them. And if we had listened to them earlier, we probably would have been a lot further. But back then we were what 18 17 18 19 Mm -hmm. and we're like man we're better than these guys you know we're 18 19 and at the same level we thought we were at the same level but we actually weren't (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and i think everyone will come realize those valuable lessons and it's good that we have energy but when we're younger we feel like we're invincible we have all the time in the world all the energy in the world Mm -hmm. and you know you make a decision accordingly Right. So what are some of the decisions that you guys like the bad partnership? That's one, right? What are some of the few things that really like is like, oh my God, that's the worst moment since I dropped out of school. What is that worst moment for each of you guys? It's like, oh my God, I really question my life. What are those moments? Amazing question. That's an amazing question. Yeah. So for me, when I dropped out of school, the moment was getting kicked out of my house, being on the street. At first, I was so confident. I, had, I was like, okay, fine. I'm leaving then. If you want me to leave, I'm leaving then. I'll be fine. Watch me. I'm going to be a millionaire. Da, 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 da. I'm going to have all the success and you won't have none of it. That's how I spoke to my father. <laughs> and it was a battle. We got really heated and I got on the street and I was like, now where do I go? Like, what do I do now? And I was. this was like a really hard moment for me. And like sleeping on the street that night, I was crying. I was trying to figure myself out. I was completely lost and I was like, I know nothing. I thought I knew all this stuff. I thought I knew everything, but now this is the reality. You know, you can go and read, you can go learn all day, every day for a whole entire year, all these entrepreneur stories, all these books. When you get into the moment and you're doing the action steps, it's like, it's completely different from what you expected. That was one of my moments. And then Quinton, you can explain the, the bad partnership with uncle too. Yeah. So Malcolm's family friend, you know how Asians are, we say everybody's our uncle. So his family friend, he was someone that we partnered up with. And at first it started with Malcolm. Malcolm got it to the one property after he dropped out and he got kicked out. He ran to his uncle. His uncle said, Hey, if you take on this property, run it as an Airbnb, renovate it, then I'll let you work with me. And essentially that's what he did. So the deal was if he wasn't able to pay the rent after six months, then he takes the property back after all the renovations as well. And by that end of that year, we ended up doing $130,000 on that one property revenue. And he noticed how much money we were making. Well, actually Malcolm was making because I wasn't even in the picture at this time, Mm -hmm. but I kind of was. And he was like, hey, I have five more properties for you to take on, but we'll do a property management deal instead. And that's when I came into the picture. We realized that was a really possibly a good deal, but at the same time, not a good deal. And we took 25% or supposedly mm-hmm. and probably we never actually right? on the yeah, gross so income. Made, yeah. Instead of the one property being rental arbitrage is where you take mm-hmm. a 
property, you rent it, and then you rent it out on Airbnb, and you make the profit in between. You still pay the rent to the landlord. Mm -hmm. Property management now is five of those properties, right? And we gave up the first one, put it into a bowl, and said, we're going to take 25% of whatever the profits are mm -hmm. off of these five properties. Eventually Gross that profit or net profit? Net profit. Eventually, that becomes... Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So eventually that would become 15 properties with him. And we had 15 properties that we gained by ourselves. So we had 30 mm -hmm. properties. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So the way that the Airbnb platform works is it's attached to a bank account and the bank account was attached to his. So everything was going into his pockets and we weren't getting paid anything. So we're like, Hey, when are we getting our 25%? Hey, when are we getting our 25%? Every single month, we're trying to get this guy to get us for 25%. He's like, Oh, next month, next month. And it got to the point where we weren't even able to pay out our cleaners because we had no money to work with. And yeah, we never got our money. So we were working with 30 properties and that didn't get paid a single dime. It was uh treacherous. <laughs> so what kept you guys going? Because you guys are not dumb. Monies are coming in by going to a different pocket. So what kept you guys going for those few months of not getting okay. paid? Right. And you know what? I wouldn't say we're not dumb. I wouldn't say we're dumb either, but I'm just saying we were young. We were naive and we had lessons to learn. I don't look at this uncle as a bad person in my life anymore. I used to. Now I look mm -hmm. at someone who taught me many, many lessons and opened we up as a rich dad, poor dad. You know, he was our rich dad. <laughs> How I played this out in my mind is I could have gone to school, spent forty, a hundred thousand dollars, who knows, right? Gone mm -hmm. into some debt and took me six, seven years to finish it. Then I would have been able to get a job and start paying off that debt. This was a whole year of working for free. And you know, I learned a lot of stuff. It wasn't working for free. After working for free for a whole entire year, the second year we actually started paying ourselves. We started wiring the money to our account, some of mm -hmm. it. Whatever we were owed 25%. We started taking that the second year. And that's how we kept going and keeping this company alive. Because I was so attached to it, like I said, attached to the materialism, attached to the wealth. And I believed that my business was everything that I had in my life. Mm -hmm. So how the money was going through your uncle's account, how do you eventually get that 25% of the net income? You can <laughs> put the payment on Airbnb. You can choose how much percent want to route to which bank account Got so it. i did 25 percent of revenue because that was only fair for the whole entire year that we were not getting paid and you know with all the false promises that was the deal regardless so we eventually that, that entire business dropped once he found out that oh he didn't find what i told him i went to him and i told him because i couldn't do that you know i just started realizing one of my first lessons too you know like money's not everything you know you'd rather i go to sleep with a peace of mind and that's been something i've been focusing on so much of lately i'll continue that in the story that i was starting off with in this call mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do you guys still own those 30 units oh absolutely not no so how did that end <laughs> So I, I went to a Tim Hortons. I remember Quentin and I were talking about it together after being in a bunch of other bad partnerships at the same time. We dropped all our partnerships. And once we dropped all our partnerships, he was the last one standing. So we already built up the confidence. We built up, you know, we're already in the repetition. It's like when you start tapping your card and spending money, it's just boom, 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 boom. It just becomes a cycle. Same thing with uh, canceling out, you know, and... So I sat down with him, Tim Hortons. I told him, listen, 
I've been paying myself for this past year, you know, all of us, because it's not fair that what you've been doing to me, you promised me this. And he's like, oh, I should have got a lawyer to go sue you. I know something's been going on. Da, 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 da. I was like, okay, you know what? I can either manage this for 25%. And I still held the deal. I was like, I can continue to manage your place. Or you can take it back. So this portfolio was making, you know, a massive amount of money at the time because Niagara Falls was very popular. That's where we're from. And is a tourist destination. And what we were doing with the marketing, because we were so unconventional, even through life and through business, we found out ways to make even more money in a market where people were making maybe 60, 70,000, 130 to 160,000 with mm-hmm. each property. So learning What's all that. What's the average long term rent for the same property? Uh, long term rent is going to be. 500 a month. So 2,500 times 12 would be. About 30,000. Actually, yeah. Quentin, 2,500. Uh, the the first one we had was two thousand. Should have been more like thirteen hundred. And the other ones, I would say they range like the other five undone. I think they would range between fifteen hundred to two thousand. And then we had some that are two thousand to three thousand. Now we have some that are thirty five hundred, four hundred, four thousand. So averaging, they were making between twenty k to forty k per year. But you guys push it to 130 to 150. So mm-hmm. that's about anywhere between 5x, 6x. Yeah, and that was a lot of money for our age. A lot and of that, a lot of money for even short-term <laughs> rental, right? You hear like yeah. doubling, tripling, but five to six X of yeah. gross yeah. income. That's a lot of profit margin. You yeah, guys can do a lot of things wrong, but still make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and just going back to like the whole story of like ego. That was another reason why we had a lot of ego because we're like, hey, these real estate investors, they're only charging $2,000 per month or $2,500 per month, making thirty k a year. And then after expenses, after paying off their mortgage, they're probably left with like 300 bucks, and we're left with thousands, right? And those so are even arbitrage, though, right? Arbitrage. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, we're definitely making more money than them. But when it comes to our mental fortitude and actual foundation, they were a lot stronger, a lot further than we were. Right. And that's where we were mistaken is it, it's not about the money. It's more so about the journey. And that's where we were lacking is like, we were just chasing money the entire time and had all the ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened after the breakup of the 30 units? What happened after that? So it was actually funny when we decided to completely rebrand, we got into a lot of scary situations. I had to get a police escort for to get my car back from one of the guys that stole it that we partnered up with. I had to get two police escorts to get my car back because he wanted to meet me at a parking lot at like 12 in the morning. And I'm like, hell no, I'm not meeting you. And this guy would have beat me up <laughs> really badly. So I ended up getting police escorts. So that was one of the stories that happened. And then we decided we all sat down at a table in our suits. It was actually a really funny story. We all sat down and we're like, okay, how are we going to rebrand this? How are we going to rename this? And then for some reason, we're just like thinking of like the most random words. And then Vicaria came into play. And then Malcolm's like, you know what? Vicaria, vacation, vacation rentals, take care of you. We're like, okay, cool, cool. Sounds good. Vicaria, I like it. And then we thought of a sloth because we're like, okay, the investors, because at the time it was more so a property management business rather than rental arbitrage. Because we didn't even know what rental arbitrage was. That was just something that we did. And we were more familiar with property management. So we're like, okay, well, the investors can be the sloths and then we can take care of them. Vicaria, there we go. There's our slogan. (laughs) And yeah, so I ended up going to Kijiji to look for just one single unit. And I think it was the second property that I ended up calling. And 
the lady was questioning me super, super hard, but I ended up closing her. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, okay, well, I'm convinced, but we still have to talk to my sister, who's my business partner. We're like, okay, sounds good. I ended up closing her. And then she's like, hey, we got to talk to the CFO. Like, why do we have to go through so many steps? We didn't have to do this before. We just talked to the homeowner and it was closed. Now we're talking to the CFO. And then the CFO goes, hey, now we got to talk to the CEO. So we had to go through like four meetings, actually five meetings. So then after we talked to the CEO, it was a whole table of the CEO, CFO, and then the two sisters that were the business partners and then me and Malcolm. So it was five different meetings that we ended up having to attend just for this one property. And we're like, what the hell? Like, what's so special with this place? And then at the end of that meeting, they're like, yeah, so we're actually investors from Dubai. We have properties all around North America, all around Turkey, all around Dubai. And I think they have their portfolio mix of management and owning. They have over 500 properties in their portfolio. Like we just landed a gold mine. Like how, I don't know how this happened, but thank God we ended up releasing this, like this partnership with the old people, because if we didn't, then we wouldn't have landed this deal. We wouldn't have created that mm-hmm. desperity of having to reach out to more people. Mm-hmm. What's that saying? When you close one door, a bunch of other doors. Another door. Yeah. yeah. Or sometimes you got to take a step back to move forward. And that's was, basically what we did. It was genuinely like a movie. How that mm-hmm. all. It was yeah. a movie. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah. And then Quentin and I had to figure out. More ways to market. <laughs> if ways to market our portfolio. So. How after that incident, you guys closed a one unit, ending up knowing that, hey, they own a lot of property across the world. How does that impact you guys? How many of those property are undermanaged by you guys right now? So we don't disclose how many is under management. We also don't disclose the name of the person. Sorry for that, but don't we have do to manage a few properties <laughs> and we actually don't manage them. We rent them from the landlord. Correct. And it's, so they basically rent to you guys for long term and then you guys turn around and arbitrage them. Exactly. I actually started up a few where we do 50-50 partnerships with them. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. But Less now it's more of a, you just rent that straight out as a long-term rental and just turn around, make how much money you want to make as long as the property are kept in good condition and you pay your long-term rent. They don't ask questions. Right? And they're they're also like just to give you some idea, the CFO and the CEO, they're older, but the two sisters, they're in their early 30s. So they fully understand how the system works. They're more relaxed than their parents because there's old school real this estate. A family. It's a family. Yeah, it's a family. Yeah. Got it. So there's old school real estate, which is her parents, and then new school, which is us and them. And what's stopping them from taking over your entire system and running on their own? They don't know how. Number one. Number two, they're taking on more projects and they're looking for a win-win solution, right? Most importantly. So for them to cut a relationship and cut the ties, you were the experts in the Airbnb space. So they know that if they were to cut those ties, it wouldn't be necessarily beneficial for them. Yes, they could operate it, but at what capacity? So their goal is to expand all more property and just already have renters and taking good care of the property. That's your goal. Exactly. But your, exactly. your goal and Malcolm's goal is to come in and make pay the long-term rent and make as much money as possible. And of course, keep good relationship with them. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So the reason why we like rental arbitrage is because it is a win-win solution, right? We all understand as real estate investors and landlords, 
whenever you choose a good client or tenant and they end up backstabbing you and not paying and then now they're squatting at the property now you're screwed right so we want to be those guys that are the solution where they don't have to necessarily find a bad tenant or a good tenant right good tenant <laughs> so they can use us and then once we build that relationship with that one property they understand okay these guys are actually really good at what they do they keep their word and they're paying us every single month right that relationship is good now bring on a second property same thing now bring on a third property okay these guys are actually really good at what they do we can scale a little bit faster now they give us another three properties now we're six properties from six to ten to twenty right so now instead of them having to actually look for a tenant they already know malcolm and i are really reliable people so why go to other way to have to find new tenants now when we can make our money and they're making their money and they're not having to deal with headaches because we deal with all the headache. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the question is, for most people, you guys can call it luck, whatever, close one door, open more doors. You guys land out a golden goose. But for average people to come in right now to start short-term rental arbitrage, they might not meet the two sister and the owners of yours. So how do they start? You might not meet anybody at all, you know, and that's the thing. But if you don't, the only thing you can tell yourself is if I don't go outside the door right now, make the phone calls, knock on the doors, I'll never know. And mm -hmm. I feel like people overcomplicate it too much in their mind when it is so much more simple because not only is this one of our partnerships, we have many other fruit fruitful partnerships. And if we never did the outreach in the first place to begin with, if we never did the branding, if we never built ourselves up, we would never have the pipeline that we have. You know, mm -hmm. we go step into states, different states, different provinces, and we don't know anybody there. We don't even know the language sometimes, but we still manage to get deals to happen. We don't need to use reputation. We do use our reputation sometimes, but we don't always need to use our reputation. And there's always deals that out there for anybody that wants to get into this world, you know, but you know, the entrepreneurship world isn't for everybody. It takes a lot, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of sacrifices that come with it. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. There's this one thing my brother said to me once back when I first got into the whole business world, he told me, he's like, if I knew what actually came with running a business and being an entrepreneur, knowing all the information that I know now, I probably wouldn't do it ever again. But because I'm already in it, I'm going to continue it. And it's so true because if I knew exactly what I had to deal with, which is like at the time, we were picking up garbage with our hands. We were renovating the properties ourselves. We were cleaning puke off the floor. Like the average person wouldn't want to do that, especially if you don't know if you're even going to make it, right? We're not like at that time, we weren't even paying ourselves. So, how, like, if I knew that, I probably wouldn't be like, damn, I'm going to get on my knees and pick up this, like, this puke. Doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. so okay make the phone calls reach out find opportunities what are the properties or what are the strategies you guys are teaching your students right now what works what are the highest roi and the lowest risks with everything that's going on right now mm -hmm. i think it comes down to the communication skills right being able to show and paint that picture when you're doing your outreach as a win-win solution right a lot of people that get into a sales call it's always what's in it for themselves rather than what's in it for the people that I'm trying to work with, right? So when they're painting this picture for them, they're like, oh, well, yeah, we're trying to run Airbnb. We're trying to make these numbers happen. We're trying to do this, do this, do this, right? Whereas when we approach these homeowners, right, or these landlords or realtors with our students, 
we're telling them, hey, this is the win-win solution that we're looking for. And then going back to how I explained it to you about how we're trying to create a relationship where we understand their investors, we understand that they've been burned before. And what we want to do to help them is be that reliable person that they can rely on year after year whenever they do pick up more properties. Right. So that's been the most success that we've seen with our students. Uh, Malcolm, how about you? Yeah, we understand one thing. Recently, we used to do sales. Learning something from that is people buy from people they like or pretty much. Right. So when you get on a call with a landlord or a prospect, the first thing you want to do is build a report. You want to get to know that person. People get on the call like, oh, are you the owner of a 321 Elm Street? Cool. I'm interested in your place. How much is rent? Oh, cool. Okay. Sounds good. I'm a good tenant. I clean up the place. I do this. Nobody cares. That landlord's on the other end, like, okay, okay, another one of these. How about you change it up for once? So you, you say, hey, Mr. Landlord, pleasure to meet you. Are you also from the Niagara area? Cool, cool. I, I love what you did with the place. This is like recently renovated. Her looks amazing, looks great. Let me get to know you. Now it's a complete change. That little twist right there is the difference between someone closing a deal and not closing a deal. Yeah. When it comes Can I tie into that? Going back yeah. to that situation, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Right. So you can say all these amazing things, but what if it's not appealing to them? So when you actually get to understand what is actually appealing to them, that's when it becomes enticing for them. Right. Because for me, making a thousand dollars could be a lot, but to a millionaire, making a thousand dollars is pennies. Right. So it really comes down to the perspective of what they actually like or what they're actually looking for. Yeah. You could ask them, hey, Mr. Landlord, could you tell me what you're looking for in a tenant? Just because I know everybody has a different opinion on what you know they want i just want to share whatever you want i can accommodate that and be keep in mind that you know you have these standards and i'll keep up to the par with every single one of them that's how you catch their attention because now they're going to talk to you they do most of the talking you listen you have remorse you have understanding you feel for them and you get to know them and you care about them right one more thing and on top of that it shows your level of professionalism as well right whereas most people are just trying to get into the property we're really understanding the way that we're breaking down everything. It shows that level of professionalism of like, hey, we're not just your average joke. We're trying to take really good care of this property here. And be genuine, right? Whatever you mm -hmm. say, keep your word. That's just the most important thing because there's a lot of people in this business world and people don't talk about this. And, you know, it's something that I didn't expect when I got into business. There's a lot of people who say things but never do them. Keep in mind, I am guilty as well. And that's something that, I can only hope that everybody else that listens to this, you know, takes seriously. You know, when you go into business, just keep your word. You'll do just fine. You know, do what you say you're going to do and don't lie to others, right? That's the hardest part. You get tempted to lie. Sometimes you get tempted to miss things. You get tempted to be late. It happens. Tempted to sound better than you actually are. <laughs> All about at the end of the day, just being genuine. And, and I didn't know these things when I first started business. I wish someone like someone did tell me. People did tell me. It's just that you don't my really. was telling us. <laughs> go through it okay other tips so i'm not going to give out every single one of them but just, just the best ones <laughs> <laughs> just a couple of tips here people always wonder you know how are you making so much money from a three-bedroom unit the trick is we put two three beds you know in the living room but two three beds in the bedroom seriously i had my first airbnb had three beds in the living there was a couch in the corner with two beds in the living room. It's about how many people you accommodate, how many extra guests you sleep. There's insurance adjusting companies out there, so find them because they always help with 
you know, like victims of circumstances, right? And they need a place to stay. So the insurance adjusters keep you fully booked. You can contact your local hospitals, your airports. Sometimes they already work with hotels. That's fine. You don't know if you don't call. Build connections there. A lot of beds. We allow parties. And now this is where everybody in the Airbnb world is going to be like, this is controversial. This is controversial. (laughs) And trash your house. Yes, of course they trash your house. And that's what we want. (laughs) We want that to happen because what we can do is if you take extra care of your property and you have people coming in on a daily basis, like you told the landlord, you would have them coming in, inspecting the place, right? You have those people coming in, inspecting the place, making any claims that need to be made, and you get it fixed the same day. And that's how you stay on top of your business because everybody in this market is trying to accommodate this fancy, you know, the blue, the yellow couches, a very nice boho theme. That's great. That's amazing. We've done it all. Quentin and I have done every single one of those styles. The best one so far has been party houses because it is a niche that no one can get into. So yeah, there's one of our secrets, right? It's not much of a secret anymore. But can I talk like the bigger units as well? Sure, go ahead. Another thing is the inflation rates, right? So many people, they can't travel the way that they want to anymore because everything is so pricey. So to travel as a group of friends, it makes more sense as well, right? Because now instead of paying for a hotel 500 bucks a night for two people, they can get an entire house for $1,000 for 10 people and it's only 100 bucks per person, right? Mm -hmm. It makes a lot more sense. And then that way they can put more money towards actually doing excursions or actually enjoying their trip, going for fancy restaurants, Right. Whereas if they paid up 500 bucks for two people for just the hotel, there goes 90% of your amount right there that you could have put towards other things that you could have done for your trip. Right. So that's the way that I see it as well. Yeah. And design really matters. So we use eye catching designs like the LEDs up in our homes. We make them very flashy. We make them stand out. And just simple things like that. You know, those are very, very basics that the first couple of things we teach our students, but then comes pricing strategy, comes marketing strategy. And when we say marketing strategy throughout the pandemic, when people weren't getting booked, Quentin and I figured out a very, very unique marketing strategy that probably no host in the entire world knows how to do besides the people in our mentorship. You know, some of our close, close, close friends and family around us know about this too, but I don't even think they fully understand it. Something. The reason why we know this is because we talked to some of the big dogs in Miami about their strategies and things that they had to go through. And I think one of the reasons why we figured it out and they didn't was because they didn't have to really go, like they went through the pandemic, but they really didn't go through the pandemic. Whereas we did, and we had to find means of ways to survive. And that's what we did. So, yeah. Yeah. So I've always learned that being uncomfortable in my life has caused the needle to move forward. That's been a good thing. You know, you learn a lot of lessons, but yeah, pricing strategy, the way your place looks, the way you negotiate, the way you communicate with your guests, the way you build things, it comes down to how you run your entire business. Mm-hmm. It's not meant for everybody because there was days and I have stayed up 72 hours. Did you not taking Adderalls to stay up <laughs> to get things done? Quentin, not so much. Quentin's just the crackhead. <laughs> so out of like, all the properties you arbitrage right now i know you don't give up exact number but what's the percentage that are in ontario canada in different provinces of canada or in us what are the percentage oof that's a tough question to answer just like, roughly yeah so i'd say like we have 40 percent in it would be sorry you know percent in canada 50 percent in the states or 60 40 60% in the States. 60% in Canada, 40% in the States, I think. 
We're in the States and we're in Canada. So right now, the markets we really love to target is going to be Florida. We have in Canada, we have Blue Mountain area, but it's very restricted now. We have Niagara Falls, Hamilton, Thorold. We have some in Toronto. And where else, Quinton? Texas, Colorado. Where's the other place in Canada? <laughs> Down in Edmonton. Oh, yeah. And we're getting started some in Quebec as well. Montreal. Mm-hmm. Got it. Sounds like you guys are expanding. Went through a lot. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to the original states where you lost that 30, you know, if your uncle, you start all over again. You guys went through a lot, even in turn of managing, management team and all that. What's your goal at this point? 23 years old, making seven figures. Like, what are you guys looking forward to? What are you guys fire about? So my ultimate why since I got into business was I wanted to go to third world countries and actually create like have funding enough funding where it's literally nothing out of my pocket where I'm able to just build houses and be like, here, I want houses here, houses here, houses here, and not even have to worry about them having to pay for it. It's just like, I built this and here you go. Here's a gift, right? I want to be the Mr. Beast of real estate. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically uh, kind of like an endowment, but you're funding by yourself kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to get to that level where I'm just making billions and billions of dollars where I can just be like, hey, I'm going to drop $30 million here into this country and just build a bunch of houses, right? I don't even want profits from it. I, I just want to build these houses. That's something yeah. I want. To- exactly. As a man, I feel like I've always wanted to build things and create empires, which is why me and Quinton get along a lot. And we've been good partners. We love each other and we hardly are, which is surprising to me. What I want now is completely different from what I wanted five years ago. I've been in this game for over half a decade now. And I got to say, you know, after going through all those trials and errors, I wouldn't say I'm a failure of entrepreneurship. I would say, I am a graduate of entrepreneurship and I'm in my life where I realize, and I told you, I've been doing a lot of reflection this time in my life. Now I'm sitting here and I realize that these last five years have been amazing. They've been great, you know, but I've gone through a lot and I'm not saying I'm giving up. I'm not saying I'm quitting. I would never do that, but I did all this for the one, the one goal in mind for myself, which was freedom. And, you know, I love helping people. I love being generous, but having a business, building that up, you get a lot of responsibilities. And I was young. We were very young. You have a lot of opportunities. You have a lot of people that look up to you, a lot of people that you support those people. You give them you know, their income. You give them jobs. They look up to you. They rely on you for their families. And doing all that, it's a lot on a man's mind. You know, and people don't talk about the mental health thing. You know, I'm not going too deep into that. I'm just saying I've been doing a lot of reflection I realized I wanted to get into this with for my family to have freedom, but I kept chasing money and spending money like crazy and then having more and more of it and then spending all of it again and getting more and more of it. Right now, I'm currently not a millionaire. Right now, I've spent a lot of my money. Quinton knows this, right? On doodads, which is What's what a we call A doodad is like when you buy yachts. Unnecessary things. Oh. Yeah. Something that you don't really need, but you want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
And, you know, now I have this lifestyle and I'm trying to keep up with these appearances and I'm trying to look good and look fancy. And it doesn't matter what my number in the bank account anymore. It's more about looking rich and being able to hang out with these people because hanging out with these people will result in you making more money, building these relationships. And I kind of went down a toxic spiral in that sense where I took it overboard. Like I said, I took a lot of things in my life to the extreme and I grew up very fast, you know, Growing up so, so fast, I needed to put the brakes on it as of recent and say, you know, I'll let my business build itself. I'll let it run. But Quentin, I don't know if you can tell, probably I kind of taken a step back because I realized I wanted to get into this for freedom. And I had to put up a lot of boundaries and barriers to protect my personal interest and my energy and my time. Because although I like to help everybody and anyone, it takes a toll on me. And why do I want freedom? I wanted freedom so I can spend time with my mother, my father. You know, they wanted the best for me from the very start. They did so much for me. And if I spend the next 15, 20 years grinding on this entrepreneur life, trying to get so rich and successful, I mean, this can be all put on a hold right now because I don't, I'm good. Like, I don't need to keep going. Some people, if you need to keep going, good for you. But for me, I need to take a step back for a little while here and just spend the days and the time that I've built this wealth for with my family, you know, have that to share family time, go travel with my family, enjoy the fruits of my labor, enjoy my life. And I really put all of that on a hold when I dropped out of high school and started building a business. Mm -hmm. I never got to enjoy all those things that I was when I was younger. So I barely travel, been to a few places in the world, barely. So where are you spending your money, man? How do you spend so much money? You got to teach me. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's the biggest spender I know. <laughs> Come on, just just give us some secret. How do you spend your money? You buy yachts? Or you rent Food. yachts? Food, electricity. <laughs> no, I mean like technology. It doesn't cost you that money. Not much. What the TV Restaurant. is? Big screen is what one to four K. Okay, I mean, another thing is that we're also very giving people. So whenever we go eat, we have a good amount of friends that are super close to us. We always pay for them. We never let them pay. So we eat out a lot. <laughs> we eat a lot. <laughs> so yeah, that's so I, I would say that's where ninety percent of the money goes is food. <laughs> wow. Say, you know, clubbing, going out, like eating out a lot. I would spend I would eat four times a day out. Let's say that. Every single day consistently at fancy restaurants. Mm -hmm. I go to hotels, I go buy everything, tip people hundreds of dollars. I don't think about money. And you know what? I started realizing that, you know, chasing it is not something I want to do anymore because although I can keep buying all this materialistic, like clothes, I can buy all this fancy stuff, these cars, these places that I have, it doesn't make me happy anymore. You know, I feel like I've done it. <laughs> I'm not where, you know, yachts and mega mansions and private planes, but cool. If I want to go on one of those tomorrow, I can. But do I really need all of that? No, I did this to spend time with my family. I did this to be close to my mother again. And, you know, 10, 15 years from now, if I keep grinding on my entrepreneurship and I push away all my family, my building, I want to start a family now. I want to, I have a beautiful girlfriend. I want to get married to her. You know, I know it's so weird. If I listened to myself five years ago, I say you're a total cuck. I look at myself and say you're <laughs> like, but I want to just spend time with them because in 15, 20 years by now, who knows if I have that time with them anymore? You know, those people who always sit there and be like, Hey, I'll trade in everything I have right now to spend one day with my mother. I don't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to be that guy. I want to do it now while I'm young, while she's young, while my parents are young, and do things with them and enjoy life. That's what I did this for. I have freedom now. And I don't work. I don't need to do it hard. I focus on my financials my whole entire life, but I didn't focus on communication. I didn't focus on mental health. I didn't focus on my own personal health, my relationships, my family. I made everything about money. You understand? Everything yeah. about my life is about money. I can't have a conversation with my friends without bringing money in. I can't have a conversation with my parents without bringing money in. And it's toxic. Yeah. You know? Well, I think, I think another just, thing could be a balance as well is like, have a balance of friends and family and love and then also still grinding in the back end right but have that balance and another thing that i think about is like you never know when you're gonna die right so i don't want to live my life knowing that every single second of my day was just staring at a screen right like i don't want to be that guy that's on my deathbed and be like fuck like yeah i've been building this business but what else right because i've had friends that died that were younger than me or that are my age right now or a little bit older or even older right but at the same time, it's like I look back at my life and everything that we did was just grinding, 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 which is awesome to look back at. But at the same time, where was that experience of like, hey, I went to Mexico, I went to Bali, I went to this, I did this with my mom, I did this with my dad, I did this with my friends, right? I don't want to be on my deathbed knowing that I didn't, right? And I think that's the toxicity that the whole entrepreneur world builds for you is like just grind, 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 grind. But what if you do die one day, right? What if you die tomorrow? Oh, we're all going to die. Really don't worry. <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly but yeah. let's just say we did die tomorrow right what do we do aside from building a business mm -hmm. and building a number and account building ourselves was what we would call it building your ability to make money your smartness your whatever right mm -hmm. nobody talks about how crazy this world can get and you know it, how, how much it can take a toll on you at the end of the day you know with all these wars going on you can lose your shit tomorrow. Yeah, when you don't have money, I get it. It's like you don't have water, you're thirsty. You know, but when you have it and you start spending it and it just keeps going and coming and going and coming and you're just like, hey, I'm just going down the spiral again. I'm lost. I feel depressed. I don't feel happy. I don't feel genuine with myself, even though I have money now. It's because I just want to sit down and play poker with my parents. I just want to sit down with my parents. Like, I just want to go to dinner with them. You know, and I haven't done that. I haven't been to the mall with my parents and my dad since i was like what 13 years old mm -hmm. you know like that's crazy to me you know and okay. i i want to yeah. cherish yeah. every moment i have now got it so i know our time flies we can chat a lot about this but this is the first most interesting conversation i have with two early 20s people hey i'm early 30s i know where you guys are coming from i think a lot of people can relate and I think in your 20s, this is where you change a lot physically, mentally, financially as in your 20s as well. You can make a lot of mistakes, learn a lot of stuff. So whatever you guys are doing, it's all good. You guys are not alone. And you guys are actually doing the right things to experience all those right now. Imagine when you guys have kids and go through all this. You might go through multiple divorces now, right? So the average CEO is in their age 40s, went to one divorce just to make you guys feel better. So whatever you guys are going through now is very valuable and it's all good. It'll all <laughs> be good. And I'm sure we're going to have you guys back maybe down the road a year, two years from now. I'm sure you guys will have a totally different mindset and phrase, a phase in terms of business and mental state and family and all that. And um, definitely I mentioned that, but last question I want to ask you guys before we go 
or you know tell people how how they can find out more about you guys is what is that you guys were doing a lot of reflection mental reflection all that what are the top three things you guys going to do in the next year based on your reflection top three things and i'll hold you guys accountable for those you guys are putting this on record all right all right everybody (laughs) i'm gonna travel a lot more okay spend more with my family and protect my energy and my time not say yes to everything say no to people that's it i think with me becoming a lot more disciplined in terms of what i need to do and what i want to do because i'm a people pleaser so i tend to like let's just say i have plans and someone's like hey i need you to do this right away i'm like okay i drop those plans and automatically go deal with that right when i already had plans to do something that's something that i'm working on right now i think getting into the gym a lot more and being more active because without health there's no wealth and then lastly spending more time with family because growing up my parents they left when i was 11 so i didn't actually spend a lot of time with my parents so having that i guess that time away from my parents also made me to become a lot more independent and be like, Hey, I don't need these people. Right. But I think I should be spending more time with these people or even communicating with them a little bit more. Fair enough. So very similar, some similarities, some difference. And yeah. I think this concludes our podcast or successful or multiple versions of success, failure, success, failure. And you know, definitely at the stage where you spend a lot of money and try to figure out life enjoying it figure out what you really enjoy and this is an interesting conversation there's no right or wrong but i think a lot of people can relate even in their 30s because they might in that stage when they're in their 30s finally make their first bucket of money right so really appreciate you guys coming on and spend the time and just rambling a lot but i think there's a lot of value and a lot of people can relate to this thank you thank you for having those appreciate it yeah. Okay. So where can people find more about you guys? So my Instagram is Malcolm Nguyen. That's just my main platform. You guys can DM me there. And if I have the time, I will answer you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Instagram at Quino, Q-U-I-N-O-O-O. <laughs> That's my Instagram handle. Yeah. We'll put it in the description. Thanks again for coming on. We'll have you guys back Thanks on. Thanks for having us. Awesome. I appreciate you. Pleasure. All the links mentioned in this episode are included in the show notes. And if you love this episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. The link is also included in the show notes. And we would really appreciate your help in spreading the word to more high income earners on how they too can maximize both their time and money. Also, if you still haven't joined our high income earners Facebook group, you are missing out on high income earners community where we help each other reach our own version of fire.